1: Shot by Lennox Lewis! A right hand by Holyfield! By Buster Douglas! Look at this!
0: He's knocked Mike Tyson down for the first time in his career!
1: But unfortunately, it'll never happen. Franch!
0: Bunches! It
1: bunches!
0: And it is over! I think it's gonna be over. A play with big
1: trouble against the road! I have to say, there seems an element of genuine hate between these two, Ambrose. For sure. I don't hate the man. Just imagine if you bought a ticket. Stop it,
0: Frank! You can stop it any time. Castillo's in trouble. Weak steps in. And the fight is over. Oh! You got you know you. Welcome back, fight fans, to... ...the next episode of The Legendary Knights Series 2. And first and foremost, before we jump into this episode... ...I just want to say thank you, as always, for sticking by... and, ...and bearing with us during such difficult times that have occurred over the past couple of months. For for long-time listeners, for people that listen to everything we put out, you'll know the reasons why we've not been able to put anything out as frequently as we have liked to have done. Uh, But for people that maybe have tuned in and tuned out a few times and you're coming back to, to this particular episode or you're just specifically a fan of the Legendary Knights series, you might not already know, but we had a family bereavement on Johnson's side, unfortunately, so it led to a few delays, as you can appreciate, Uh, And then we've been putting some other episodes out which have took a lot of time to put research into. So if you've not heard any of the latest career profiles or some of the interviews that have been conducted over on the main BTR Boxing Podcast feed, please do go and check them out. So let's go straight into this one then. This one, Johnston, is one that might not be always defined as a legendary knight. It might not fit the narrative of what people consider legendary knights to be all about. But this is the tale of Roberto Duran and Esteban de Zeus. A tale of a trilogy of fights that were absolutely fantastic, but more so the story surrounding these fights and the aftermath of it is what really tells the tale and epitomizes what legendary nights is all about
1: it does it like you just said there i I believe it to be more of a legendary tale than a legendary night um and it is just a a fascinating story from from two guys that were separated by just two months at birth they were you know same age throughout and 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 it starts in the ring and it unfortunately ends up in a hospital bed but What a tremendous story this is and there's some great little bits of information that we've managed to source and and I just hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy putting this together.
0: So what we always do with the Legendary Night series is we, we look to intertwine the the lives outside of the ring and the careers inside of the ring, going bit by bit, telling the story on each side of the fence about Duran and about De Zeus and, and how it all led to the collision courses. And of course, they had three fights throughout the career. So there's three fights that we've got to touch on and the aftermath for each one and then of course the eventual aftermath and the legacy that this left behind because of what these two guys did inside and outside of the ring. So Beginning with Roberto Duran, and after Nesta Plomo Quinones asked Duran to turn professional, Duran asked how much he would get, and he said $25, replied Plomo. Now, and Duran's response was, who do I have to kill? Thankfully, he didn't have to kill anybody. He just ate his steak and salad, a ritual before all these fights throughout his career, and he made his official debut at the age of 16 with a broken hand that he suffered prior to the fight on February the 23rd, 1968. Now, with just one hand, Duran managed to fight the full four rounds and win a points decision at the Arena de Colon in Colon City, Panama, against Carlos Mendoza. One year later, he faced the former Panamanian bantamweight champion, Luis Petino in what Duran called his first real test as a professional. Duran knocked him out in the eighth round of his first scheduled 10-rounder on November the 23rd, 1969. This was also the famous moment that Duran won $100 for knocking out a pony. Now, the pony's owner bet Duran $100 and a bottle of whiskey that he couldn't knock out this horse. Rumour has it, he knocked out the pony and busted up his hand in the process, hence the reason why he had a broken hand. That's an absolutely great (laughs) start to the tale of Roberto Duran's side. Now, Esteban de Zeus, he turned professional nine months before Duran Patino, on February 19th, 1969. He was just 18 when he defeated fellow debutant El Tarita by a second-round knockout. Tarita would never box again, a common theme with all of Esteban's early opponents. The young Puerto Rican had a difficult upbringing, so it wasn't no surprise when he began hanging around with the wrong crowd, Started to smoke weed with his brother Enrique and of course get into all sorts of trouble.
1: So the following year going back to uh, Roberto Duran after 16 straight victories, Duran was involved in his first real acid test on paper anyway and that was against the future WBA Featherweight champion Ernesto Marcel, who was 24, 2, and 1 on May 16, 1970, a month before Duran's 19th birthday. Now his fellow Panamanian, also known as NATO Flatnose, was a slick boxer, smooth and accurate, while Duran was perceived as just the street fighter in the ring. Billed as the boxer versus the brawler. Native fans were split in their opinion on who would come out on top in this one, but Marcel went into the bout as a slight favorite. The fight took place at the Nouveau Panama Coliseum, later to be renamed as the Roberto Duran Coliseum in Panama City in front of 7,000 spectators. Duran weighed in at only 128 pounds. Now, It was a close fight in the early exchanges, but Duran opened up a cut in the fourth round and proceeded to take control by cutting off the ring and leaving the helpless Marcel backpedalling from danger. In the 10th and final round, Marcel was backed up against the ropes with no punches coming back. The referee, Isaac Herrera, stopped the fight. This was the only time that Marcel had ever been stopped and he did fight some top top fighters Alexis Arguello being one of them who he defeated and he actually retired with his title the performance from a young Duran was impressive but what was even more remarkable was that he did all of this with a hole in his ass <laughs> now before the fight Duran was uh, given vitamins to help him with his training regime so he stupidly fought by taking a load, it would make him stronger. Being young, you do these dull things. He ended up suffering a bad reaction from the vitamins, which resulted in a fever and a lesion on his ass. His best mate stepped up, joined out the pass, even take out a route, which took, by Duran's account, 45 minutes to wow. do so. The following year, Duran was sold by his manager, Alfredo Vasquez to a wealthy businessman called, as we all know, Carlos Aleta for $300, absolute bargain A letter promptly acquired the services Of the 71-year-old Ray Arcel Who appointed Freddie Brandt as his assistant
0: Now within a couple of years Esteban de Zeus had reeled off 19 professional victories All his bouts had taken place in Puerto Rico Then on June the 5th 1971, he took the plunge And travelled abroad for his stiffest test To date against Venezuelan Armando Mendoza In his home city of Caracas Now Mendoza had only lost once in 13 fights, but Zeus was just too crafty and too strong. He stopped his opponent in the 7th round to go 20-0. Esteban was moving at a rapid speed in the ring, but he was also living in the fast lane outside of it. He had now moved on from smoking weed to snorting cocaine with his brother. Now we will explain why this is important to mention later on in the episode. The following month, Jesus picked up the Puerto Rican lightweight title against Josu Marquez, who was 24-2 in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Marquez was making his first defence of the title after defeating Victor Ortiz in his last fight. Now Jesus used his excellent boxing skills and fast hands to take the title by a 12-round unanimous decision. And over the next two months, Jesus continued his winning streak knocking out the aforementioned Ortiz in four before retaining the Puerto Rican lightweight title against Josu Marquez in the rematch once again by a points decision.
1: So Esteban Jesus was desperate to test himself against the best. So he took on the new WBA featherweight champion at the time, who was Antonio Gomez, who had a record of 33-2. Now, the Venezuelan actually traveled to Tokyo, Japan on September of 1971 and ripped that title away from Sozo Saggio, who had held that title for two years. Now, although Esteban was fighting a world champion in a lower weight class, he knew that he could gain some vital experience against the world champion. Now, there are variations in the exact date of this non-title fight. We do know for sure that it was held in Venezuela in 1971, but the months can be different depending on what source you prefer to use. Now, BoxRec indicate that it happened in February, while Wiki recalled it as October. Now, we have actually opted to agree with Wiki for once, which we don't tend to do, but this is due to other sources across the web backing up their claim. Now, due to the lack of information and no footage, it's difficult to establish exactly what happened. But the fight itself seems to have been too much of a steep learning curve for the talented Puerto Rican as he dropped a 10 round points decision. But the fact that the fight went the distance, you can't help but wonder if Gomez was ever going to get a decision due to the fact that Gomez was going to be fighting on home. So we'll never know and we can only assume.
0: Now, on September 13th, 1971, Duran made his American debut at Madison Square Garden against Benny Heratas, knocking him out within 66 seconds. Now, following his impressive win on the undercard of the Buchanan Laguna rematch, his famous name was created. Now, we have explained how this came about on Duran's career profile, but let's tell it again for this episode. Now, many knew Duran as Rocky after Rocky Graziano, but his nickname as we know it as Hands of Stone, or Manos de Pedra, was coined by a Panamanian boxing writer slash broadcaster, Alfonso Castillo. Now, although Plomo has to take some credit, because when Duran would knock someone out with a left, he was always quoted as saying, see, I told you, he hits harder with his left hand. But when he knocked out another opponent with a right hand, he would then say, see... I told you, he hits harder with his right. Now, this, of course, set the tone for Manos, plural, meaning hands of stone. Now, moving back to Esteban, with a record of 26-1 and 18 knockouts, Deseus got back to winning ways with the unanimous decision over journeyman Percy Hales from Jamaica before making his American debut against George Foster at the Felt Forum in New York on April tenth, nineteen 1972. The Associated Press wrote this on the fight. Esteban de Zeus stopped George Foster of New York at 1 minute 33 seconds of the 8th round of their scheduled 10 round lightweight bout on Monday night. The 21 year old Zeus, who posted his 20th knockout outclassed Foster throughout the fight. Knocking him down in the 2nd, 3rd and 6th rounds before the referee Mark Conn finally called halt to the bout midway through the 8th. Just 3 weeks later. Esteban was back at the felt forum, defending his Puerto Rican lightweight title against Josu Marquez for a third time. This time, the fight was heading towards another points decision. That was until Dizu stopped his man in the 12th and final round.
1: Now, while Esteban was demonstrating a tremendous left hook and making a real name for himself as a dangerous counterpuncher, Roberto Duran had knocked out two of his last three opponents. The only one that he couldn't get rid of was the Cuban veteran, Angel Robinson Garcia, with a record staggering record of 121 wins, 55 defeats and 19 draws, which happened in Panama. Now, uh, while Ray Arcel and Freddie Brown were fine tuning the raw talent of Duran, he trained as hard as ever preparing beyond the customary 15 rounds. He actually fought 25 rounds and sparred four and a half minute rounds. Now, all this effort was for one goal, and that was to become the lightweight champion of the world. The fight against Ken Buchanan, who had a record of 43 and just the one defeat, had been agreed to take place at Madison Square Garden for June 26, 1972, for that WBA title, the ring and the lineal lightweight titles. Now, after the Scott had defeated Panama and Roberto Duran hero, Ishmael Laguna, uh, we've mentioned this fight numerous times on Ken Buchanan's uh, career profile and uh, one of the best performances from a Brit overseas. But he beat Ishmael Laguna not once, but he beat him twice. And Duran promised to gain revenge. Now, in front of a crowd of 18,821 at Madison Square Garden, the Scott went into the fight as a favourite and Duran the underdog. Now, as the fight moved into the 13th round, Duran was up on all three scorecards. The two fighters continued to fight after the bell sounded to end round 13 when Duran caught Buchanan with a low blow. Now, Buchanan collapsed to the canvas and grabbed his groin. The, The images on YouTube, if you haven't seen it again, have a look. He was able to get up, but he had to be helped back to his corner. Now, the referee took a look at Buchanan and decided to stop the fight. The referee, Johnny Bianco controversially claimed this, that Buchanan had got hit after the bell rang and that the blow should therefore not be counted. Buchanan said after, they helped me to my corner, and then the referee said, I couldn't come out. I told him I could keep boxing, but he said, you're not coming out. A United Press International reported that Ken Buchanan looked like he had been mugged in a back alley his left eye was cut, partially closed. There was a slit under his left eye, and his groin was throbbing with pain. Now, Dr. A. Harry Cleman of the New York State Athletic Commission explained that Buchanan, after the fight, and said he, he has a swelling of the right testicle. He's in extreme pain. During the presser, Buchanan said to Durant, you're a lucky boy because you haven't had to fight his way up the way he had. Now, Durant dismissed Buchanan's claim of a low blow, saying a lot of boxers try to make you think they were hit low because they are losing. I won it legally. Years later, Buchanan said the low blow dented my protector and metal burst into the right ball. I was peeing blood for days and still to this day. Buchanan, uh, he's not been too well recently he, st- he says, he still thinks of Durant every time he, ag- he goes for a piss, uh, bless him and uh, absolutely just it was it was a low blow for me uh, Duran returned to Panama City in a country which were relatively new to role models he became a national hero he was paraded to the crowds in an open top car and he was actually befriended by the military dictator Omar Tueros who granted him with a special tax status. What a night that was.
0: Not doing too bad for that victory, was he, after that one? <laughs> except, for,
1: except for Buchanan, no. Bless yep, him.
0: Except for poor Ken Buchanan. Now, moving back to Esteban de Zeus. And with Duran now being the world lightweight champion, de Zeus was looking to capture a title shot, but first returned home back to Puerto Rico after his second visit to the States and outpointed mutual opponent with Duran, Angel Robinson Garcia, over 10 rounds. 20 days later, it was back to America. But this time, it was at the legendary Madison Square Garden on July 28th, 1972 against Chuck Wilburn. The fight went the full distance with DeSue's coming out on top and the American praised his opponent by saying Esteban was a better fighter and that he had been overmatched. So, now we move into the build-up for the first Duran versus DeSue's fight. Now, after... Duran won the WBA, The Ring and Linear Lightweight titles. He spent the next few months partying hard with not much training and he got away with it against the two light touches he was given following the Buchanan win. In September and October, Duran recorded back-to-back first-round knockouts in both of those non-title fights in front of his beloved Panamanians. But these binges were becoming a far too common theme, especially when Duran was given a Volkswagen from the General of Panama as a gift for defeating Buchanan. It was this car that almost got the new champion killed just before the Esteban Zeus fight. And Duran explains what happened and he said, I was in love with a woman named Sylvia and one day I was on my way to see her way out in the countryside and it started to pour, the road turned to mud and I couldn't see shit. I tried to slow down as we hit a bend and I thought I'd crossed over to another lane. Suddenly, a car flashed its lights in front of me and BAM! I slammed on the brakes, the car spun around and now we were hurtling downhill. The car crashed into a big tree trunk and that's what saved me from dying. I busted my right elbow and my lip was a real mess. The hitchhiker I had picked up along the way had a head injury. (laughs) Joran and his hitchhiker actually scrambled up the muddy hill and were picked up by a passerby who took them to a nearby hospital. And after getting stitched and bandaged up, Duran found his way back into town, met up with friends and went out drinking, as Duran did back in them days. Now they carried on through the night and into the early hours before he arrived home in a right state. Now in the next coming days, a letter informed Duran that he had signed him up to fight Esteban De Jesus at the Garden in New York for a non-title fight after an initial defence in Panama had fallen through. Esteban De Zeus was a decent choice, of course, due to his Puerto Rican background and growing fan base. And this fight, it had all the ingredients and potential to generate enough money. So the fight was staged in New York City, and Duran's first response was, Why, Aletta? My mouth's all swollen and my elbow's busted. And Aletta's response was simple. I've signed the contract. You've got to fight. Now, Duran accepted the decision, and he made his way to New York to begin training.
1: What, what, uh... A character Roberto Duran is. What on earth is he doing? Obviously, I mean, they're looking at They're, they're thinking Esteban De Zeus is, is going to be a bit of a light touch. You know, looking at his record, he hadn't thought anyone massively impressive, I suppose. And they just assumed, that, um, it, as I say, it was just going to be an easy one. Now, De Seuss's trainer, Gregero Benitez, he actually told the press before the fight, I expect my man to knock out the by the eighth round. It has been De Seuss's dream to fight Madison Square Garden, and we will win the fight one way or another. In front of a pro Puerto Rican crowd at the Garden, on November 17, 1972, Duran and Dezus, both 21 by now, engaged in a 10-round non-title fight that was headlined on a card that also featured a future Duran opponent in Villamor Fernandez. Now, fittingly before the opening bell, the featured guests for the night were two featherweight legends that had engaged in a legendary rivalry over two decades before. And that, of course, was Willie Pep and Sandy Sadler. What a way to begin this, this fantastic trilogy between these two. Now, what the crowd of 10,000 in attendance witnessed at the garden that night was a history making fight and a catalyst for one of the greatest fuels in lightweight history.
0: So, as we go into the fight breakdown, we move into the first five rounds. Now, in less than 30 seconds after the opening bell, De Zeus actually rocked Duran with a high right hand, and the moments later, Duran threw a soft jab, which left his right hand low and his chin out. De Zeus ducked the jab, and as Duran said himself, boom, he catches me with a left hook and dumps me on my ass for the first time in my professional career. Either boy could end this fight with one punch. Both have terrific records. And there is Duran down, believe it or not.
1: And he is smiling, grimacing. The champion flat on his pants in round one. And we have more than two minutes to go from that left hook.
0: It was a perfectly timed left hook that Duran never saw coming. The champ was up on his feet, shaking his head, and smiling almost instantly. Now Duran tried to press the action but it was the slick moves from the Puerto Rican who was landing the more notable punches mainly the left hook and the occasional right. Now Duran was unstable to shake off the effects of that hook and he was left flat-footed and his timing was way off. And the world boxing reported that Esteban's combinations highlighted by his left hook kept Duran off balance and unsure of himself. Although Roberto did land a few solid whacks himself. However, his punches lacked steam and he never did get an opportunity to launch into his street fighting style. Now, De Zeus was able to take control from rounds two through to five as he continued to keep Duran bemused and off balance. But De Zeus had to keep his wits about him as Duran began to land some of his trademark punches.
1: So from rounds six to ten... De Zeus continued to establish control of the fight from rounds six to seven, using his counter-punching and excellent footwork to keep Duran at bay. But then a right hand to De Zeus's eye made him clinch in the eighth, a punch that looked to have turned the fight into Duran's favour. But the Puerto Rico managed to hang on in there and survive. Duran actually said, if I never had that car crash, I would have put him on his knees. Now as at the sound of the final bell, Durant appeared to already know the outcome. He retreated to his corner in disgust. Those in attendance were mainly of Puerto Rican descent, and Desus and De Zeus's compatriots celebrated as if Durand's title had been at stake, lifted him on their shoulders after the unanimous decision was announced and paraded him through the stands of the garden. HBO boxing analyst Harold Lederman was one of the judges that night and he actually scored it three to six in faith, in favor of Esteban de Zeus. His he gave his opinion on the fight not long after the decision was made. And he said he, as in Esteban de Zeus just came out of the corner and took it right to Roberto Duran. They seemed to be boxing on even terms, so to speak, in the middle of the round. And all of a sudden he threw that left hook and caught Duran in the jaw and Duran was sitting on his rear his rear end looking up at the Zeus. And when Roberto Duran got up, it wasn't the same Roberto Duran. In his opinion, Duran, the effects of that hook just affected him for those early stages of the fight. And by then, he was so far behind, he was desperate. And that's what lost in the fight. Now, the other two scorecards on the night read Bill Reach, who was uh, two and six, and the referee was Arthur McCante, He was four and five. He gave it a close to fight and the gate receipts
0: generated $62,339. Now, post the first fight, Duran obviously had suffered his first professional defeat in his 32nd bout, while Zeus he improved his record to 34-1 and with 20 KOs, but would have to wait a while to get his shot at Duran's WBA belt. Duran recalls to not remembering the pro's fight press conference, but said, I went back to my hotel room cried, beat my fists against the wall and promised myself I would never lose again. His first reaction was to speak with Alita and demand gain in revenge but he would have to wait 15 months until he faced his youth again and he remembers being pissed that I lost but I got a lot more pissed when the Panamanian press turned on me for the first time in my career questioning whether I trained properly and paid too much. That was bullshit. Now for Esteban, his victory obviously had the opposite effect. Jorge Perez, a boxing columnist for the newspaper Primera Horror, said Esteban was beloved by the fans. He was the biggest fighter in Puerto Rico at the time when he beat Duran and he became an idol.
1: For Esteban de Zeus uh, the victory over Duran, he actually earned him great respect among these Puerto Rican uh, people. As uh, as you just read there, Sean from that newspaper column from Jorge Perez and he actually got a shot at the vacant NABF lightweight title that had actually been stripped from a guy called Kango Kimura on February 16, 1973. Now, this fight took place in front of an estimated 10,000 fans at the Roberto Clemente Coliseum in San Juan, Puerto Rico against an American guy called Ray Lankin, who was undefeated 19-0 and one draw. Now, United Press International wrote this on the fight. Esteban Zeus retained the US lightweight title Friday night as he registered a unanimous 12-round decision over formerly unbeaten Ray Lampkin of Portland, Oregon. Zeus, who weighed in at 135 pounds to Lampkin's 132, floored Lampkin twice in the first round and again in the final round with powerful left hooks, those those trademark left hooks. And, And Lampkin was up quickly. All three times, he took the mandatory eight can on his feet, but he was out-punched the whole way. Another two victories followed in April and May, with both going the full 10-round distance before he agreed to a rematch against Lamkin again on July 14, 1973, for his NABF title. He won in their first fight. This time, the fight was held at the Felt Forum in New York. And the Associated Press, once again, we're going to take this extract from them. And, they, and it, it says Esteban de Zeus, using aggressiveness and superior punching power, pounded his way to a unanimous 12-round decision over Ray Lankin. The American used a quick left jab mixed with an occasional right uppercut, and he appeared to have the slight edge for the first four rounds. But then de Zeus began coming on, brushing off Lankin's punches and landed some solid shots to both the body and head. Lamkin made De Zeus miss often. But when the Puerto Rican landed, he landed solidly. There were no knockdowns this time, but De Zeus shook Lamkin in the final minute of the last round with a flurry to the head and followed by a short right to the chin that made Lamkin hold on for dear life and another victory there for
0: Esteban de Zeus. So going back to what Roberto Duran was doing at the time, and of course his ego was badly bruised by the defeat to de Zeus. But he was still the lightweight world champion and he fought 10 times winning all 10 with 8 coming by way of knockout and made 3 defences of his title. The first was a 5th round knockout of Jimmy Robertson in front of 18,000 fans. The knockout punch resulted in the American losing a couple of teeth and was the start of his 42 fight win streak. Next up was Hector Thompson and the United Press International wrote this on the fight. Duran floored Thompson for the first time in the third and then knocked him to the canvas twice in the eighth round after causing Thompson's nose to bleed profusely. The Panamanian referee Nikolaiso Drake halted the fight after the second fall, awarding Duran the TKO. Then, finally, it was the turn of Japan's Gus Ishimatsu who was 25-10-5, a.k.a. Suzuki, by 10th round stoppage. And all three of these belts were in Panama City. Ray Arcel, Duran's trainer, said after the Ishimatsu fight, Suzuki was determined to take the crown home with him. However, Juran is still the best. It wasn't plain sailing though. Duran had to manage the fight with a cut from the third round. And it was a bad cut that refused to stop bleeding throughout the fight. But these were three individual prominent victories in the career of Roberto Duran that would see him go forward on another collision course with De Zeus,
1: Absolutely. And, and going to uh, Esteban, and on January 7, 1974, once again at that Roberto Clemente Coliseum in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Esteban fought a non-title bout against Alfonso Peppermint Fraser, who was 34-6-1. And the Ring magazine we're going to take this time, in the, the April issue, they wrote, Leading lightweight contender Esteban de displayed his best form in scoring a 10th round knockout over former junior welterweight title holder Alfonso Frazier in one minute and one second of the final heat. After a fairly tame first round, a bomb exploded in the form of a solid rapier like right to the jaw that dropped Frazier at the one minute mark of the mandatory eight count. Frazier's best round was uh, the fifth when he connected well, but finished backtracking from De Souza's relentless attack. Badly shaken in the sixth, Frasier did little fighting the rest of the way and finally was taken out of action by a resounding left hook. Once again, a beautiful left hook that stretched him out flat on his back. The attendance for the fight was, esti- was another estimated 10,000 gate. And that that generated a gate receipt of one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Decent money. Carlos Aleta, who was also the manager of Esteban's opponent, Alfonso Frazier, said Dezus is good, but not good enough to take my other fighter, Roberto Duran. They are scheduled to meet in Panama on the 16th of March
0: and Duran will KO him. So we'll move into the build-up for the second fight between Duran and Dizouz, the long-awaited rematch. Now, after that Fraser fight that you've just been talking about, Johnston, the rematch with Duran was finally in the works, but just before the fight was officially signed, Dizouz's trainer Benitez found out that Esteban had been using cocaine, something we mentioned earlier on. Now, he was quoted as saying, I knew that he used cocaine. He didn't use it to fight. An undercover cop came to me and said that Esteban used to be out at midnight with bad people and they knew that he used drugs. I told him that if he wanted to keep boxing, he should quit drugs. Esteban denied it and Benitez then said, Zeus would give a load of money to a drug dealer called Louis and he would take him to parties where there were plenty of coke and plenty of women. Now, during the 15-month gap between their last clash, both fighters had produced a combined record of 18 wins, no defeats, and 11 knockouts. This time, the big rematch was for Duran's WBA lightweight crown. Now, D'Azouz was 32-1, had the home advantage of sorts in their first meeting, so this time Duran, who was 41-1, made sure he had the crowds backing. The bout took place at the Gimnasio Neve Panama in Panama City on March the 16th, 1974 in the outside stadium with the heat that exceeded 100 degrees now according to Howard Cassell the temperature in the ring was in the mid 90s and the humidity made the site feel as he said like a steam bath now as usual Duran struggled to boil down to the 135 pound limit but so did his opponent, Dezeuse. Benita Benitez even tried to have the fight postponed by saying that his fighter had picked up a cut in sparring. But in actual fact, he just couldn't make the wait. Now, the commission said that they would allow this postponement to happen. But they ordered Dizuti's camp to pay $40,000. And they decided, instead, to continue with the fight rather than take the postponement. Now, the referee for the fight was Isaac Herrera from Panama. Much to the disliking, of course, of Team DeSouce. The two judges were Hamodio Sedano and Emma urangia Duran entered the fight, a 2-1 to favourite, and the gate receipts were expected to rise to a staggering $400,000, one of the most in Panamanian history. Duran earned his biggest payday so far at $125,000, and De Zeus, he only got $40,000 for this fight. Now, there was worldwide interest in this rematch, which was actually broadcast on American television and shown in Venezuela, Puerto Rico and some European countries. Now, it was the fourth defence of Duran's WBA lightweight title and he was given crucial advice from his trainer Ray Arcel on how to deal with Esteban's style. Now, as Red Smith would later report, Arcel sat his fighter down and told him, when you knocked you down, he was starting to throw a right hand and he beat you to it with a hook he'll be expecting that right hand again i know you're angry i know you're eager for revenge and want to take him out as fast as you can don't do it just stick 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 and move until i give you the word
1: so we'll move in there uh, to the fight and then um, if anyone hasn't seen it well does duran take ray Arcel's advice well i'll explain from rounds one to six roberto duran He ignored Arcel's advice in the opening round and he paid the price. Duran was looking to catch his rival early this time and went looking for that big shot. Now the press wrote, less than 90 seconds into the fight, the Puerto Rican challenger caused Lightning to strike twice as a blistering hook to the point of the chin dropped Duran for the second consecutive meeting. (laughs) Duran's partisans jumped out of their seats as they called for their hero to get up, but they need not have worried, for Duran arose and exchanged blows as if nothing had happened. Well, a great left uh, hook to the chin of Duran. Oh, another one! I can't believe it! I can't believe it, he's down from a hook! A perfect hook! Well, he set him up, he hit up a great shot just before that, followed with a the right, then came back with the exact same punch and down with the champion.
0: But Duran doesn't appear affected.
1: He's right back in business. Now, watching this fight back for us, uh, which we may add, we've got to give absolute kudos uh, for the exceptionally clean footage on YouTube. Credit to uh, SweetFights.com. Absolutely stunning footage of this second fight. It was, uh, it, you know, this this first opening round, it was, it was a carbon copy of that first fight. Duran led with his right, dropped it too low before throwing a left, but De Zeus, he was well equipped and, and he, he timed his left a lot faster to nail Duran on the draw and send him to the deck, throwing it the second time in his career. The first time he knocks him down, the second time, both times all De Zeus. Absolutely class. Um, just demonstrates how much of a slippery fighter he was. There was a vicious exchange in, in round three that, that saw Duran land devastating body punches, which actually De Zeus admitted later on.
0: He hurt him so badly that he was paralysed through the legs. Now, going through the rest of the fight, the turning point came in round number seven when a five-punch combination followed by a hard right hand actually put Esteban on the floor. Now, after that, Zeus could be seen arguing in his corner, telling his corner man he can't continue, not just because of the punishment that Duran was beginning to dish out, but also... Due to the heat exhaustion he was suffering, remember obviously how hot it is in the ring at the time. Now his handlers, they weren't interested and they just kept sending him out for the bell. Now by the middle rounds, Duran had asserted his dominance, smartly moving inside and pounded De Zeus's ribs and head while landing a high percentage of punches. During the break, before the 10th and the 11th rounds, you could see more commotion going on in the De corner. His body language was basically telling everybody around that he didn't want any more. He could barely lift his arms. But once again, his ruthless trainer Benitez, he throws him out. Hey, the bell is sounded for round 11. And as we said all through this fight, even in the third and fourth rounds, many thought it wouldn't even go this far. Oh, on that little right there, thrown by Roberto Duran, the champion too.
1: Coming out him and he knocks him down. Open challenge Esteban to Haston.
0: down from the right hand. The town is being picked up. He looks like he's not getting up. He's sitting back
1: up very comfortable. He's not getting up. He cannot. It's all over. It's over. They have a it to Roberto Duran. He keeps his title. Roberto Duran, the victory in his hometown in Panama.
0: And it didn't take long until the fight was finished. A flurry that included a hook to the body and a final right to the head. Dropped his oce for the second time and zapped any energy he had left dizu sat on the canvas and watched on as the referee isaac herrera counted him out and this was duran's 35th knockout in 42 fights wow punishing
1: um and as i say this footage is is, is brilliant it really is on youtube i was so happy I, we found this um and you can see benitez what on earth is he doing Zeus has no business being sent out like that it is dangerous um, and considering the fact that he knows he's on uh, cocaine as well, you know it, it, he's having to it, he's having trouble himself making weight. It wasn't good in that heat. I mean, he could have killed the man. Let's be honest; it, it's just just not good from his corner whatsoever. But after the fight, De Zeus told the press that the climate and poor conditioning was the reason for his defeat. He said, "I was weak. The heat sapped my strength. If I had been in better shape, I would have beaten him." And then Duran countered his uh, rival's comments by saying, let him get in better shape then. When he thinks he's ready, have him call me. Next time, we'll both be ready. There will be no excuses. So you've got Duran making an excuse for him, uh, himself in that first one, and then De Zeus making excuses for himself in the second. So, you know, the, the rubber match is inevitable. And after a crazy night of celebrations for Duran that went on to the early hours of the morning, uh, apparently he went to bed, uh, and he was woke up by the Panamanian police banging on his door. He wasn't arrested or anything, but they actually uh, flew him in the presidential suite airplane over to Cuba so he could meet with Fidel Castro, who was actually a friend of Omar Toreros. And it, it goes into a great story. Have a look, have a read of his uh, autobiography because uh, he, he is full of some fantastic stories, there
0: So we're going to continue on in the aftermath of this second fight. With their careers and, and obviously what leads up to the eventual rubber match. Now on March the 2nd, 1975, Duran made his sixth defence of the WBA, the ring and lineal lightweight titles. Against a mutual opponent in Ray who who is now 29-3-1 in Panama City. Now Lampkin was on a little winning streak following his two losses to Zeus. And his chances were improved with Duran now struggling to make weight for the fight, mainly due to drinking too much of beer and, of course, eating a lot of good food at the time as well. He was naturally walking around at 152 pounds. It was hard work to just boil down to 140, let alone 135 pounds. Now, the American fought smart and stayed on the outside until he got caught and sparked out with a Duran left hand in the 14th round. Now, Duran said after the fight, Today I send him to hospital. Next time, I'll put him in the morgue. Lampkin was in a bad way and unconscious for over an hour. And once he was awake, he spent the next five days in hospital and even ended up in intensive care. Duran, of course, feeling humbled by what he had said and what he had heard, went to actually see him in hospital as a result of what happened.
1: Yes, Lampkin there getting absolutely toasted there by Roberto Duran with that left hand. Um, I'm sure Duran felt a bit bad after after those comments wow what what an absolute stunning finish from from doran great great finish we're going to jump back to Esteban. so three straight victories got de zeus back to winning ways until may 17 1975 when he returned to Gimnasio navarro panama in panama city but this time he was fighting at the weight above for the wba junior welterweight title held by the colombian veteran Antonio Chavantes, who was 47, 9, and 1. Now the Associated Press wrote on this fight, and they said Chavantes knocked De Zeus down three times during the fight in rounds 1, 12, and 15. Esteban was badly bleeding from a cut over his left eyebrow, which opened up in the fifth. At the end of the bout, De Zeus was helped to his corner by the Venezuelan referee, Isidro Rodriguez. De Zeus was barely able to stand up by himself toward the end of the fight. Now, considering De Zeus's condition, he managed to fight on until that final bell, but it wasn't to be. The referee scored the fight 148 to 135. Judges Rodolfo Hill and Hermondo Sidino scored it 148, 136 and 147. 138 respectively, and they were all in favor of Cervantes. The champion actually received a larger cut of the purse $75,000, while De Zeus collected only, uh, only $15,000 for his troubles. Cervantes said this about the bout He said, I hit him with ammunition I knew I had. De Zeus is sh- a strong fighter. So he's just basically praising him for the fact that he managed to. Down stay on his feet to the end of that fight. Not long after the Chavantes loss, De Zeus was sold by Benitez for $25,000, a former baseball player, Jose Santiago, who actually bought up his, uh, become his manager, and he actually employed a guy called
0: Manny Seeker as his trainer. Now back to Duran, and he won a 10-round non-title fight. ...against Edwin Verrute who was 21-1-2 and in New York. Now that was about that was the main event... ...before the closed circuit telecast of the third Ali-Fraser fight from Manila. Now it was after this victory that I later signed a free fight deal... ...with none other than Mr Slippery himself... ...Dodgy Don King to promote Duran's fights. The first and next title defence was against the Mexican... Leosino Ortiz, who was 35-2 and two, in Esteban's home stadium, the Roberto Clemente Coliseum in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Now, the fight went to the 15th round until Duran landed a right cross finish to the chin. Now, while making his way back to the dressing room, Edwin Verrute got in Duran's face demanding a rematch and he got angry and he started swinging for the Puerto Rican police had to split up the commotion and they would fight again a few years later but again another little story about the backstage goings-on between Varut and Duran I mean who, who would get in Duran's face I mean the guy's an animal This uh, Varut had some absolute bollocks to get in his face and do that now, Duran fought twice in May of 1976. An untitled title decision win over Sol Mambé in Miami followed before Duran took on his undefeated mandatory challenger Lou Bizarro, who was 22-0 in Pennsylvania. Duran eventually cut off the ring to finish the fight in the 14th after battering a bruised and swollen Bizarro. The Italian clung on to Duran's legs after the final knockdown, and he must be applauded for his courageous showing, but... In this fight, Duran's lightning-fast hand speed and power, it ultimately took him apart.
1: That's <laughs> really funny. He's clinging on there at the end there, the Italian. But, unfortunately uh, for him, just... I mean, these guys are just... Not, they're just not good enough. A lightweight Duran is just a monster. Now, just before De Zeus would attempt another world title challenge, it was rumoured... That his drug use had taken on a whole new dimension. Chu Garcia, who covered the Zeus for the paper El Nuevo Dia, said he was a great husband, a great brother, a great son, a great father, and a great friend. But unfortunately, he had that problem. That problem at this time was that he started actually shooting up speed balls, which is a, a mix of cocaine and heroin in the same syringe. I mean, cocaine is a drug that gets you buzzing and then heroin is the one that brings you down. So not quite sure what the hell that is doing to your body. He would shoot up with his friends and of course with his older brother, Enrique. Chu Garcia went on to say, just before his third world title attempts, it's just before he attempts to win a world title, he tried desperately to kick his addiction. He came from a big supportive family, and with their help, he tried to go cold turkey. He actually called in a psychiatrist from Mexico and was even visited by the local Santiera priest. I'm not quite sure what they were trying to do there, but as you do. Incredibly, with all that going on in the background, his life inside the ring never dipped, and it was a case of third-time lucky for Esteban de Zeus, who got another shot at a world title on May 8th, 1976 against guts ishimatsu who was 31 11 and six at the estadio one ramon librell in puerto rico the united press international explains the fight and they said esteban desuz captured the wbc lightweight championship saturday in a l- luster 15 round battle with japan's gus ishimatsu the victor kept Ishimatsu at bay by battering his face with jabs and avoiding the Japanese's heavier punching power. De zeus best round came in the seventh when he slammed a ferocious combination of punches with both hands at Ishimatsu's face and body, opening a cut on his lower lip. Referee Harry Gibbs scored the fight 149 to 139 and judges Jose Juan Guerrera and Rudy Ortega scored the fight 150 to 137 and 150 to 135 respectively in favour of the new world champion Esteban de Zeus. The Puerto Rican was overjoyed to finally land a world title and he apparently partied hard that night and you can only imagine what was involved but after that win he seemed more annoyed by the head button and he actually was quoted as saying on two occasions his head hit my face this was the only time i felt because the few punches he few did nothing and the former champion gusset shimitsu was a bit more complimentary, but. He was defiant about winning his world title back. And he said, De Zeus was fast from the beginning and was a difficult target for my strong right. The only thing I hope is to gain the crown, be it against De Zeus again or with somebody else who takes the title from him. He didn't really care. But at the end of the day, what we do know is Esteban De Zeus was <laughs> dropping speed bombs, but yet still manages to capture a world title. WBC light weight championship title against Ishimitsu. Unreal.
0: It really is unreal. How the hell did he manage to do that? How the hell did he manage to get weaned off doing that to be able to go on to win a world title? I think that actually is a story that really should be brought, brought to the forefront. I mean, people talk about these comebacks, Tyson Fury's drug addiction his cocaine addiction he's it's it's well publicized what he was doing when he was outside of the ring and going through his stint but yeah Esteban de Jesus you know a forgotten story about a guy literally doing speedball doing these uh her- mixture of heroin and cocaine and yet yeah, he goes on to win that WBC world title I think he's absolutely unbelievable to do that and it it really does set a lot of things up nicely for what's going to come in the future for him and Esteban you know he then makes his first defense of the wbc crown on october the 9th 1976 against the undefeated hector julio mendina who was 28 and 0 at the estadio juan ramon in lebrel in puerto rico again and again the united press international they wrote this about the fight in the 6th round medina abandoned his circling tactics and he traded punches with the champion but dizou stopped him code with right leads and left the challenger groggy at the bell the champion, who punished the challenger from the opening round with overhand rights, trapped Medina against the ropes and pounded him for 30 seconds with combinations of lefts and rights that dropped him to the canvas at 1 minute 45 seconds of the 7th round. Now, Following the impressive stoppage, Esteban De Zeus was calling for the rubber match against the WBA champion Roberto Duran, saying, This is my ambition, to fight against Duran and consolidate the lightweight title of both organizations. A week later, it was the
1: turn of Duran to strengthen his claim on the lightweight division when he made his ninth ninth defence on a Don King card, headlined by a George Foreman against Alvaro Rojas. And the Costa Rican uh, had a disputed record, by the way, it was some funny records, but it doesn't matter. In in the it was actually in the Hollywood Sportsatorium in Pembroke Pines, Florida. Both fights were broadcast live on CBS during primetime, and Duran earned a healthy $150,000. Duran came out aggressively and landed numerous shots to both the body and the head. Rojas tried to box and move, but he couldn't keep Duran off of him. Duran dropped Rojas with a right to the head, and Rojas was carried out in round one. And <laughs> we just had to be in again, the Associated Press, they reported Rojas went down on his face as though he had been shot. (laughs) <laughs> doctors, doctors actually worked for about five minutes before they were able to get him up uh, standing up by his own power uh, incredible knockout again and then to kickstart 1977 in January Duran headed to Miami for the third time in his career a place he enjoyed immensely just as much as New York and Panama against a 23 year old Dominican Republic native and part-time gypsy cab driver from the Bronx Villamar Fernandez uh, who was 195 5 and one The fight was actually aired on CBS, but the conclusion was always apparent. But huge respect to Fernandez, who lasted 13 rounds until buckling under the pressure. Although the fight won't be remembered for the action in the ring, it sure will be remembered for the bizarre beginning. So Boca Raton News, they reported this. So before the start of the main event. Ring announcer Frank Freeman asked the crowd to stand and face the flag for the singing of the national anthem. Not only was there no flag, but there was also nobody to sing. No band, no singer, not even a recording. Freeman stood in the middle of the ring speechless as Franz yelled, sing Frank! Finally, former heavyweight contender Jerry Quarry came to the rescue. He rose from the ringside post as a CBS analyst climbed into the ring and sang the anthem. He even remembered all the words.
0: (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) It's a great little story to add into it. It's slightly unrelated <laughs> to what we're talking about, but it's it's happened on, on that particular bill, which I think is absolutely hilarious and uh, would have been hilarious if you would have been a fan in the crowd as well, wondering what the hell was going on. So we move, move back to De career then. And, and the following month after this win for Duran, De was making the third defence of his WBC strap against Japanese challenger Buzza Yambi, who was 26-6-2. and Again at the Estadio Juan Román Labelle in Puerto Rico. Now, it was a straightforward defence. He downed Yamabe for the first time with a series of left and right hooks, but his challenger beat the count, only to hit the floor again in the sixth round after another furious left right combination. Now, De Zeus collected and reported $70,000, 10000 more than Duran had earned for knocking out a taxi driver. Now, during the four months away from the ring, Esteban bought his drug dealer, Louis. I remember this drug dealer we were talking about earlier he actually bought his drug dealer Louis a restaurant and starts to become difficult amongst his own family members now, he was also arrested twice the year before for drug related offenses but De Zeus, he evaded the charges both times now he was back in Puerto Rico on June the 25th 1977 taking on the Mexican born undefeated challenger Vicente Salvidar who was 14 and 0 now, Reuters explained as follows about this fight. Zeus stunned Saldivar twice in the 11th and then drew blood with a right uppercut. As Saldivar moved in, Zeus nailed him with a right hand and a left hook, sending him reeling to the canvas at 2 minutes, 20 seconds of the round. As Saldivar hit the canvas, it was apparent to the crowd of some 5,000 that he wouldn't get up. Now, Zeus continued to earn decent money, collecting $90,000 but there was only one fight that he wanted more than anything, and he called out his straight rival after the knockout win, and he said, "Now I am looking forward to facing Duran and getting even with him Esteban he fought once more in nineteen seventy seven in a non title fight that went the ten round distance in his favor so to sum it up, really, he is earning decent money at this point. He's doing well for himself, barring the fact that he's bought his drug dealer a restaurant, which is probably going to be used for money laundering, of course. There's only one other reason he'd buy him a restaurant. Yeah. And he's, he's he's making defenses of the title, he's having the non title bouts. He's doing really well for himself. You know, he seems to be keeping things afloat at the moment, but he wants this rematch. He wants this, you know, this trilogy, this rubber match with Duran.
1: I mean, the the two drug offences he got Nick for. I mean, we could have gone into more, more details about that, but it seems like again, it was a money front. He had bought uh, a car, and he had opened an account, and it was all in relation to some of these dodgy drug dealers. Uh, they were bad influences on his life, and he he was a yes man. So, uh, although he's, he's he's a champion of the world and wanted of the Ramfire, it's crazy that he's he's managing to keep it together. Uh, so we're going to jump back to about Duran, who picked up two victories against lesser opponents in Maryland and in Panama before taking on a more legitimate challenge in Edwin Verrute, the man who, who called on him and wanted this rematch. He finally managed to get that rematch after forcing it. Uh, this wasn't a classic by any means. Duran wanted to punish him for getting in his face and saying it. He would end his career, apparently, he said. Now, Verruz, he he was all about surviving this fight. That's all he did. He ran, basically. He wound him up and then ran. (laughs) So after 15 rounds, uh, Duran won almost every round, but he wasn't disappointed. And Duran actually turned around and said, I'm not embarrassed at not knocking him out. I just wanted to keep my title. Now, this, interestingly, was the first time in 10 consecutive title defenses that he didn't knock out his opponent. Duran made $150,000 for his routine night's work, and the fight actually made the cover of the September 26, 1978 issue of Sports Illustrated. Now, the Root, after the fight, you'd think he would just keep his mouth shut. Well, he didn't. Uh, He didn't hold back on his personal feelings. He says, I don't like him even though he's the champion of the world because he's nasty. He was cursing my mother from the first round. I tried to curse him back, but (laughs) the referee wouldn't let me talk. (laughs) So, uh, Verut's disliking of Duran and, of course, as well, the the other person that Duran was working with at the time, Don King, is actually still raw today But because he blames Don King for putting in the fix for the fight that he lost the second fight and all i can say is looking back on the fight there was no fix duran won the fight comfortably it would seem that the real problem with Verout, the route, the problem he had with duran was the fact that he had a close relationship with esteban de zeus his fellow puerto rican who he would actually go on to fight and lose a split decision against in 1978 now he said this of esteban de zeus he said he was good to the people a family man a beautiful soul who was close with his parents and siblings and he does go on to say some more stuff but the was a a massive fan of Esther bands and i do think that was probably the reason why he had so much of a disliking for duran
0: yeah that that does make sense of course it does he, he just didn't like duran he, he didn't like him because of him but he didn't like him because obviously he had this affiliation with disuse being a fellow puerto rican of course So now it leads us nicely into the build-up for this third and final fight of this trilogy, of this legendary tale between Roberto Duran and Esteban de Zeus. Now, the third bout was initially proposed by Don King to take place at Madison Square Garden or in Miami. But by Don's own admission, it wasn't easy to get this fight on. And he said it was a job just to get these two managers of the fighters to even think about A match. They had fought twice and neither wanted to fight a third time. First, I convinced Zeus, but the hardest part was convincing Aleta. Then, when we did agree, trying to find a site that pleased him was almost impossible. One place was too cold, the next too hot. A third place somewhere in Africa was okay, but then Aleta didn't think he could get Duran's money out. He finally then said yes to Las Vegas. Now it was finally agreed to take place at the neutral venue of Caesar's Palace Sports Pavilion, which held a capacity of five thousand fans in Las Vegas on January the twenty-first, nineteen seventy-eight. Carlos later was worried about Duran preparing for this fight due to his lack of dedication in the gym, so he came up with a plan to get him in the best possible shape. And he told Sports Illustrated, "Sometimes getting Duran into the gym can be very a difficult thing." His trouble is that he has been champion for five and a half years. He knows everyone in Panama and they will give him anything he wants. Now with all that, getting him back to work is a chore. But this time, I played a little trick. I told him that he had a tune-up fight in Panama before Zeus, And he trained hard at home for a month. Then I told him the tune-up fight had been called off. And I sent him to Los Angeles to train. Of course, there was no such tune-up but he had worked very hard for four extra weeks and now is in the best shape of his career. And he laughed when I told him of my trick. And I think that's a a nice little story there regarding how he actually coerced him into believing he had a fight coming up. So he he actually got into shape and trained ahead of what he thought was going to be this tune-up fight, which was actually going to be the disease fight. And it was the only way to get him in. I thought that was great. Now, the rubber match would finally decide once and for all Who was the true king of the lightweights? And who would be the winner of this fierce and bitter rivalry? By this point, they seemed to have a genuine hatred for one another, with the rivalry was now reaching its boiling point. Now, Duran said this in his autobiography years later. I wanted that son of a bitch badly. Months before the fight, he had talked shit about me, so I just wanted to shut his big mouth. Duran was like a man possessed in sparring, which caused problems finding someone to spar with him. In one sparring session, he broke the nose of Mike Youngblood, a 160-pounder out of Philadelphia with a 14-0 record. Arcel and Brown immediately went off in search of a new one. They came back with a kid called Jorge Morales. One of Duran's advisors, Luis Henriquez, recalled, Unfortunately, we overlooked the fact Morales was a Puerto Rican like De It wasn't a smart move. Now, during this sparring session, Morales, he began to taunt Duran with suggestions of what Dizuse was going to do to him. Of course, Duran, he wasn't amused, but he let it go until Morales insulted Panama and Duran switched and began ripping off his gloves so that he could have a go at Morales with his bare knuckles. Wisely, Morales legged it out of the ring, but his father... Morales senior he leaped into the ring and went after Duran which resulted in Morales senior getting decked now one of Duran's assistant trainers Tony Rivera remembered that suddenly the ring was just full of people and Duran began whacking away at everyone within range and he said it was unnerving we got Duran in the corner but he broke loose and started all over again he just ran around the ring looking for people to hit Now, when Don King got wind of the altercation, he said he could have been injured seriously. What else can happen before this fight?
1: Ah, like a man possessed, uh, Roberto Duran. You can imagine he he must have just been on the line, on the cusp of just bursting in every single fight with that aggressive nature he had. Wow, there's more of a build-up. This is a great build-up for this third one. That was only the beginning of the problems. There were lawsuits and threatened lawsuits and the fight was off and then on again. So just three days before the fight, a Las Vegas judge issued a temporary restraining order, which was placed by a Chicago promoter called Robert Blonde. He claimed that he had a contract for Duran to fight the following month against his fighter, who was Vicente Salvadere. Now, Salvador's lawyer came to the rescue and was able to evidence that Mr. Blonde did not adhere to the signed contract and didn't meet expenses for training costs. Thanks to that testimony, the judge lifted the injunction and the fight was allowed to continue. Now, not going back to the promotion of this fight, normally uh, Don King, he would uh, do everything in his power to build up a fight, no matter what the angle was. uh, But this one, it needed no publicity stunts. Duran said before the fight, I don't like him for a lot of reasons, mostly because he is the only man ever to beat me, and he is the only man ever to knock me down. I don't like him for those reasons, but I have respect for him. Zeus said he had always wondered why Duran kept saying all those nasty things about him, uh, but now he knew, and his response was, if he doesn't like me because I knock him down, let him wait until after this fight. This time, I'm going to destroy him. When I knock him down this time, if he gets up, I will kill him. I tell him that I will fight him in the street anytime for nothing. He ignored me. For this, I'm glad because I need the money. And the hostilities continued during the early morning weigh-in when uh, Richie Giacchetti, uh, an old pal of Don's, uh, sort of pal, who was brought in as the assistant trainer for Zeus actually protested that the ring was too soft for the scowl to give a true weight reading, and he was actually backed up by the the weights and measures experts. The scows were then placed on the floor next to the ring. Zeus went first. He weighed in at 134 pounds on a dot. When Duran stepped up, he weighed in 134 and a quarter pounds. Duran was laughing, and he was applauding his own weight. Standing less than a foot away, Zeus sneered. Keep your mouth shut. You're too weak to even talk. You are skinny. I will kill you. I'll show you today. Duran retaliated, saying that he would be the one doing the killing, while wagging his finger right near Zeus's nose. So Zeus retaliated himself, but he retaliated by whacking him with a glancing right hand. It sparked into mayhem. Duran explains. He threw a punch at me with his bare fists. I swung back. Somebody waved a chair in the air and it was all about to kick off. Maybe Esteban was trying to psych me out, but it was all bullshit. He actually hired two witch doctors to cast a spell on me, but I had told them where to go. I think they were scattering some kind of Santeria dust in the ring as I was warming up. It just made me laugh. Don King was pulling his hair out, literally, and he was shouting, Oh Lord, how many hours to the real fight? (laughs) The WBC president was there, Jose Salomon, and he replied, Six. Say, Don, how did you score this one? (laughs) So, this was the first time that two Latinos headlined or a Las Vegas card, and the first undisputed title, lightweight, undisputed lightweight title fight since 1971. Both fighters had problems making the weight. They both apparently used a uh, water diet to shed the extra pounds. Duran remembers that they were both in Miami training and he felt that Zeus was struggling more than he was. He recalled in his book, it was worse for him since he was too muscular. Uh, when uh, you have big arms and a big chest, especially, it's especially hard to make the weight. I could see he was struggling. You just look at his physique. I drew great strength from this. But <laughs> what a madness, John, eh?
0: Absolute madness, isn't it? And a story that maybe not many people knew about, which is why I'm glad we've been able to put this one in. Because if you wouldn't have known about this trilogy before, or maybe you do and you just knew about the fights, did you really know about that story? And I thought it was a bloody great story. Dizus actually throwing a, a right hook at Duran and it all going absolute chaos you know that's definitely something that would constitute uh one of the great boxing brawls that i've just never been really mentioned before but that that was absolutely great listening really when you hear about these types of stories and obviously how they were both really struggling to make this weight. and duran in his assessment about Jesus, was correct you know he mentioned that he thinks Jesus is having a harder time to make the weight and for Zeus, it must have been life-threatening for him because he was still shooting up speedballs of heroin and coke at this time and he's probably not even eating and drinking properly either, so it must have been even harder for Zeus Now, Duran, he had to shift £15 in just one month to make that £135 limit. He admitted to not eating himself and taking diarrhoea pills. Don King billed this fight as the combat zone and said that fans from Panama and Puerto Rico were arriving with suitcases of money to bet on their favourite fighter. Both 26-year-olds put their titles on the line. They were the WBA, the ring and the lineal lightweight titles held by Duran, who's now 62-1 and with 50 knockouts and making his 12th defence. And then you've got De Zeus, who's 51-3 and with 29 by way of knockout and he held the WBC lightweight title and was making his 4th defence. The referee was Buddy Basilio and the three judges were named as Richard Steele, Art Lurie and Isidro Rodriguez. Now like the second fight, Duran went into the fight as the 2-1 to favourite and he picked up the largest cut of the purse at $250,000 while De Seuss got $150,000. The fight was televised nationally by CBS and they brought in two established fight experts, Angelo Dundee and Gil Clancy. Now both of them liked Duran and both predicted their winner and said, A lot of people think Duran is slipping because of his last few fights. I think he is getting better. Against his ooze he's a stronger finisher and that's the difference. I give him a chance for a knockout from Lion Dundee said. The impression of Duran is that he's a rough, tough brawler who just wades in ducking nothing. But all you have to do is look at his face and see that is nonsense. He's not marked up. He does a lot of cute things in there and most guys don't see it. I look for Deceuse to go in the 11th or 12th round and that's Gil Clancy giving his assessment of this fight. But, you know, these two guys, absolute experts in their own right, both looking at Roberto Duran to be the man to take this third and final fight between the two.
1: Yeah, when uh, they pretty much get it bang on in, every, in, in their full assessments. Uh, you know, these guys wise, very savvy. And they know their sport of boxing. and God, I mean, this they, they, isn't the first one where they pretty much predict it on the button. Um, so we're going to go into the fight. Uh, I'm going to do the rounds one to six. So the bell rang and as expected, the Zeus came out strong, forcing the pace and scoring points. But this time there was no knockdown in the opening round. Roberto had learned his lessons and he applied constant but careful pressure on his foe using the uh, stiff left jab to control the fight. Aggressive yet patient, Duran seized the initiative, catching De Zeus again and again with the left lead and bloodying the Puerto Rican's nose before the end of the round. Duran was content to lay back and study the situation in rounds two and three while stalking and sticking but, in complete control, the Zeus began to show signs of frustration. He could not escape duran 's pressure, and yet he had few chances to land a counter punch one of one of the things that you know he had to land a counter punch if he 's ever going to get anything off and in the left hand, he has to land it if he 's going to do anything to Duran now by around six, all, all the drama of this long awaited unification match had vanished. Duran was simply too strong, too powerful and boxing with a level of skill that he had never shown before in his career. He masterfully controlled the ring and repeatedly put himself in position to unload his heavy artillery to the Puerto Ricans midsection, landing a series of brutal body punches, and if you're struggling with weight, that's definitely the target.
0: Now, Deceuse tried to turn the tide in round number seven, getting on his toes and firing sharp jabs, but... Duran calmly picked off most of them with his gloves before driving home more hooks and crosses to Esteban's body. Now It was more of the same in the next three rounds and if Jesus had any hopes of somehow reversing the momentum they vanished in round 10 when he landed his best punch of the fight. His trademark powerful left hook to Duran's jaw. But the Panamanian didn't even flinch. Roberto was now simply walking his man down and battering him on the ropes. Round 11 was all Roberto and Deseus looked like a beaten man. His handlers, knowing he was now hopelessly behind on point, urged him to go for the knockout. And in round 12, he saw an opening and moved into fire of one of his powerful left hooks. But Duran beat him to the punch, driving home a vicious right that sent the Puerto Rican to the floor. Now showing tremendous courage, Esteban pulled himself up to his feet, but he was a finished man at this point. He stood near the ropes, looking like a condemned man waiting to be put out of his misery as the referee waved Roberto back in. A two-fisted battering followed, the punches slowly driving Zeus down into a crouch, his weight supported by the ropes. The referee was about to signal a second knockdown when Esteban's corner charged into the ring. The fight was over and Duran became the undisputed world lightweight champion. Sports Illustrated wrote, with tears tracking down his gaunt and unshaven cheeks. He hugged his manager, Carlos and yelled again and again, I was born to be the champion of the whole world. All three judges had Duran ahead at the time of the knockout, 107-102, 109-104, and 107-104. And it was an absolute masterful performance by Roberto Duran to beat Esteban Dezus and finally cement his legacy in this trilogy of fights and also become the Undisputed Lightweight Champion, capturing that WBC title that he had never held previously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Stunning performance from Roberto Duran, and and one of his finest, it really was. And all the trouble with Esteban de Zeus, which we've highlighted outside the ring, which nobody knew about. You know, this wasn't... Uh, you had the one moment when someone mentioned that it was sort of... Uh, Benitez mentioned that he has having some problems with drugs, but he kept it, he covered that up. But even still, he was the second-best lightweight behind Duran at the time. So, so we're going to jump on the post-fight stuff here, but we're stuck in the Sports Illustrated edition. The edition they had, the January 30, 1978, uh, where we got a lot of the information for the build-up for this third fight. We thought it would only be just to do them justice, uh, to, to stick in what they put at the end, which is a great little statement about the fight itself. And this is what they said. They said that the, the infuriated street fighter was suddenly an artist, moving fluidly and jabbing, slipping punches and countering rather than swarming over Zeus, He stalked him, relentlessly wearing him down and coolly destroying him with short, savage punches to the body. For 11 rounds, Duran bested the classic boxer at his own game, robbing him of his speed and his will to fight. And only then, did he permit himself the luxury of putting De Zeus away with the more familiar Manos Pedera, the Vists of Stone? I mean, absolutely beautiful writing that is from Sports Illustrated, I must say. De Zeus's trainer, he came out and said he didn't jab the way he knows how. In the 12th, he made one mistake. He dropped his left hand and got hit by a right. Esteban De Zeus himself said, I will fight again. I'm sorry for my fans, but I will be back and I want another shot at Duran. Edwin Verroot, his pal, said, I wasn't impressed with Duran at all. I've never been impressed by him. I thought I beat him last September. I guess next time I'll have to knock him out. This dude is <laughs> just not going away. Uh, <laughs> Howard Davis Jr. said, Where did De Zeus leave his fight? I didn't see his jab come into play and he didn't throw any combinations. Duran's a great champion, but when I fight him, He's going to be an ex-champion. So they're all cool. They all want to fight him for some crazy reason. Maybe it's the money, but just a masterful performance from Duran. really
0: was. Now, Duran later told the Las Vegas Review-Journal, it was a proud moment because you had two Latino fighters doing battle in Las Vegas. It was a tough fight. Zeus was a very good fighter. He then went on to speak about the night after the fight, and he said, I remember I got drunk after the fight, and I ran into Zeus in the elevator. We were talking, and he invited him back to the room to play dominoes. He said he couldn't beat me in the ring but he could take me in dominoes but he never showed up which I think is a a nice little (laughs) touching story there at the end of of their trilogy. So, as always then, with our legendary knights, we will do a little bit of a synopsis for both of their careers in the aftermath of, of this particular fight and We've done a lot on Roberto Duran previously through his career profile. So we've only put a little short caption in for Roberto Duran because, you know, he features in a lot of the other career profiles that we've already done, like Hagler, Hearns, Leonard's as well. So we've we've already done a lot on Roberto Duran. It's going to be more about Esteban Zeus in this instance. So for Roberto Duran, after he won that rubber match, we know he moved up to welterweight. He faced Sugar Ray Leonard, a legendary knight that we have already done, the brawl in Montreal. Please do go and check that out. He went on to hold titles in four different weight classes. That was the lightweight, the welterweight, the light middleweight and middleweight. Defeating Sugar Ray Leonard, Iron Barclay, Pepino Cuevas. As well as fighting the likes of Hagler, Hearns and Wilfred Benitez. He is also the second boxer to have competed over a span of five decades. The first of course being jack johnson who we've recently done a career profile on and he ended his career with a record of 103 wins 16 losses and 70 by way of knockout
1: well yeah yeah so check out i mean we all i'm sure if you haven't go and check out roberto duran's career we'll go into a lot more detail sort of after this uh some of the some of these fights we've we barely touched on but esteban de zeus then, he fought for another two years before he retired from the sport with a record of 57, 5 uh, and 32 KOs. Now, two days after the NOMAS fight on Thanksgiving, 1980, Dezus injected himself with cocaine and took off from his house in San Juan in his wife's station wagon. Now, by now, Esteban had become very paranoid and very angry, and the drugs had taken over his life completely. So he decided to start carrying around with him a a 25 caliber gun with him, a loaded one, not wise. So while on his way out to collect some more drugs, Zeus gets into a traffic dispute with another motorist driving a sports car, who also had another two passengers in his car. Now after a near collision, Esteban and this 18 year old construction worker named Roberto Citron Gonzalez got into this heated argument Now, they're sitting at the lights. The young driver races off. Esteban gives chase. And it's apparently from what we've sourced. It is almost like a movie. It's a long chase. It's it's like something you would see on a film. Now, when they approached another red light, Esteban decides to fire three shots out of his window that hit Roberto, Citron González. And he dies three days later. Wow. Now, the two witnesses in the car and a third actually identified Esteban. You know, he's a famous guy in Puerto Rico. They identified him in a lineup. He is charged with first degree murder, two charges of attempted murder, and firearms violations. He is released on a $115 bail. De Zeus actually claims that he was so high that he didn't even remember to be shooting the gun. Uh, When the news broke, the story shocked the world. Nobody outside, other than his close family and friends, they, they never knew that he was an addict, as you know, as we, we pointed out, it was never common knowledge. It was never public knowledge. He was a beloved figure in Puerto Rico, and um, they thought he was a good man. I mean, he was a good man, barring the drugs. Howard Lederman actually equated it to finding out that Miguel Coto was a drug addict and killed somebody. So there's the equivalent there. On May 14, 1981, Esteban de Zeus is actually found guilty of murder, and was sentenced to life in a Puerto Rican prison as well. The Zeus said after the verdict, I injected myself with cocaine. It hit me very hard. I felt the reaction very badly. Then I left in my wife's car. I didn't even know that I was killing someone. My wife told me that I killed someone. I feel very bad for what I did. His trainer, Manny Sika, said this of the Zeus. He said he was a great boxer and a great human being. The only problem was the drugs. They ate up his life.
0: Wow, what an absolutely morbid uh, story. What that's, that's, That just goes to show you what the drugs did to him. All that time he was doing it, and eventually it's brought these consequences upon him, and, and someone unfortunately dies as a result of him taking them drugs. Now, Zeus eventually found God behind bars, and he became a born-again Christian, and then a minister. Now, he tended a small chapel in prison, giving daily sermons to his fellow inmates. Then in 1985, his brother, Enrique, died of AIDS. Now, De Zeus had shed many needles with Enrique for many, many years, taking them drugs. So when he heard about his brother's death, he got himself tested. And it came back that he was HIV positive. Afterwards, he gave an interview to a Puerto Rican television show in which he opened up about his addiction and disease. And on his drug addiction, he said, You start first with friends and you get so wrapped up with the drugs that before you know it, you're hooked. They take you to the parties and you start using the stuff. The worst part is when you open your eyes. It's too late. You're already addicted. Now Zeus actually fought to have his life sentence commuted and in 1989, the governor of Puerto Rico granted his wish so that he could live out his final days in a treatment centre in San Juan. Now, De Zeus spent less than two months in the treatment centre before his death. And Garcia spoke of his encounter with De Zeus when he was at his treatment centre by saying, When I visited him, he was already skinny, really skinny. His skin was wasted. He was maybe 115 or 120 pounds. And two or three months after that, he was gone. Now, he was reportedly visited by several high profile guests, including. Roberto Duran, who went on to visit his old foe. Now, neither man intended to make it a grand gesture. They were simply just old rivals, born less than two months apart, whose lives had taken so many different paths in that 17 years since their first encounter. And Duran put his hands around the frail figure of Esteban de Zeus, and he said, you're always going to be my great champ. And there's a famous picture out there that has, has been out there for a very long time, of course. Someone took a picture of that moment when he does... Give Esteban de Zeus a hug. It is available to see. If you really do want to see it, it's there. And unfortunately, as the story tells us, Esteban de Zeus, died on May the 12th, 1989. After all them years of drug abuse caught up with him and the needle sharing led to the HIV, the HIV wasn't as as treatable as it is in 2021 so there wasn't the the available medications to be able to live with it and unfortunately he died in a treatment center surrounded by people that knew him people that respected him people that would go on to see him and unfortunately it was just a sad end to what was an amazing tale really this has been an amazing tale about these two fighters like you say born two months apart went on these different paths you know trying to fight the way out of the respective countries and the difficulties that, you know, that lay in them countries at the time they were growing up. And for them to have been able to do that, especially Dizou's, who was able to become that world champion eventually and have them three great fights with Roberto Duran, just as a testament to what he was able to do as a fighter, even though he was addicted to cocaine and heroin. And these types of stories do make you wonder the what ifs, of the situation what could have happened if he wasn't on cocaine and he wasn't on heroin would he have beaten duran would he have been a better boxer would he have been even better well i think given the fact that he floored duran twice out of them three fights i think there's a possibility you know if he wasn't addicted to drugs you know could this have been completely different i think it would have been i honestly think this could have been a completely different story had he not been addicted to to drugs but what a really sad sad ending for esteban de zeus oh
1: tragic absolutely tragic i mean we we don't obviously it's not a career profile so we didn't go into the early early parts of his life he was a yard fighter. his dad just stick him in a yard of his brothers and they, people used to pay like two dollars to watch him fight i mean that was that was his upbringing so it was not no surprise when he ends up smoking weed with his brother and then, um, you know, ends up moving on to other things quite quickly. And it just sort of went hand in hand, his career and cocaine. And when he started to just derail the way he was, I mean, his family were trying their best to try and see his ways because he had such a, a great support network. And, you know, although constantly cheating with different women, taking drugs, he was actually quite a, quite a decent father by the sounds of things. Um, he just had this drug addiction um, that he hid from, from, the, from public knowledge. And it's just such a sad way... For him to him, but as you say, I mean, would he have been a better fighter? I think so. Um, absolutely, you know, he would have had a, he would have had more endurance. I mean, he he actually did say, or whether he said it, or someone else said it, that he actually bega- began sort of taking them speed bombs because he didn't want to smoke, and he said it'd help his lungs. So he starts. I mean, that's that's the that's the, the ideology of what he was thinking. If I if I don't smoke heroin and I jack it up, then um, I can get more longevity of my boxing career clearly uneducated let's be honest such a tragic ending the fact that he goes to prison for for murdering someone which does seem to be like a just a mad drug rage completely out of, out of character drugs just took a hold of him and to then find out you get hiv and then die of aids it's just just i mean it's like a double wham in it wow but what a story like this is just a, a legendary tale rather than a legendary night but saying that the free fights are brilliant and as I say, that second one in particular, the footage is outstanding. I'd advise anyone to go and kind of have a look at it. But Duran in the third was outstanding.
0: I think if it's something you wanna go and watch on YouTube, you know why we we always go on and you wanna watch these these fights sometimes and you think, Oh, what fight can I watch tonight? If you've never watched this trilogy of fights, now you know the story of it do go and watch it because it really will open your eyes up to this forgotten rivalry, this forgotten tale of, of two absolute warriors. Now, obviously, Duran comes out of it, you know, all singing or dancing because of what he went on to do in his career following this trilogy. And Esteban de Zeus doesn't. And I think given this story that we've told on this episode, I think you should go and definitely check these these fights out and some of his other fights as well because de Zeus was an absolutely brilliant boxer let's not let's not beat around the bush he was brilliant he was just do what he needed to do outside of the ring to be able to fulfill his potential and i think he would have been you know possibly a champion up at 140 pounds should he have gone the right path in his career and it is it is sad and there's a lot of what ifs and buts but you know for for me it's all about telling the story of of this trilogy and being able to bring it to life and for people to listen and be able to know the story of of Joran and De zeus, and I'm really happy we've had the opportunity to do something completely different from the grain. Really, you know, we think of legendary knights, we think of the ones we've already done. You know, Barrera Morales, Gatti Ward, you know, all these ones that are so definitive of a legendary knight that these forgotten rivalries do get missed out. And this is one that we've really thoroughly enjoyed being able to tell everybody and talk about all these different stories between these two fighters. So I'm so happy we've had the opportunity to do this and, and bring it to life. So for for anybody that's enjoyed it, I'm sure you have, if you have, please do go and let us know, make sure you do drop us a tweet or drop us a message on Instagram or even Facebook, whichever way you do follow us on social media, please do let us know. If you have enjoyed this episode and also if you've got any recommendations to see out season two, if there's any particular tales or particular fight series that we haven't already covered that you'd like us to do, then by all means, drop them in there and we'll absolutely squeeze them into season two. But this episode has been all about the tale of Roberto Duran and Esteban de Zeus and we hope you've thoroughly enjoyed it. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google or any available podcasting app. Follow us on social media at Legend Night Pod or BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and across social media BTR Boxing Podcast Network. It's been an absolute pleasure telling the tale of Roberto Duran and Esteban Zeus.
1: Network.